you know all of this, but I feel like a used car salesman sometimes when I start listing off all the benefits and people start saying, well, like, how can meditation do all these different things? I said, the better question that we should be asking is how is stress messing so many things up? Hello, this is Dr. Deva Nagula. Welcome to From Doctor to Patient, where our goal is to bring you topics of discussion that will educate you on the various healing modalities to help balance the mind, body, and spirit. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of From Doctor to Patient. Today, I have Emily Fletcher, who's present with me today. She is the founder of Ziva Meditation and the leading expert in meditation for performance. She's taught over 25,000 people the skill of meditation. She's an international speaker and author. Her best-selling book, Stress Less, Accomplished More, debuted at number seven out of all the books on Amazon and has been translated into 12 languages. The New York Times, Good Morning America, The Today Show, Vogue, and ABC have all featured Emily's work. She's been named one of the top 100 women in wellness to watch and has spoken at Apple, Google, and Harvard Business School. Ziva graduates include Oscar, Grammy, and Emmy Award winners, Navy SEALs, and NBA players. The Ziva technique is a powerful combination of mindfulness, meditation, and manifesting designed to help you get better at life, not just meditation. Emily, how are you? I'm feeling really charged up. As I was saying, we just did a, um, <laughs> we just did a call with some graduates, and it's always nice to just connect human to human and to hear how things are impacting people. And uh, it's a beautiful day here in New York City. And I'm a little, a wee bit nervous because I'm leading like a global meditation this afternoon, but it's, I've decided to do a vigil because I feel like we need a, like a collective funeral just because we're all mourning something. And on one hand, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about people who've actually passed from COVID alone. And then, you know, so many funerals have been canceled or done virtually, you know, for actual death. But then there's deaths of industries and jobs and careers and companies. And, you know, there's just so much changing that I feel like if we don't take a moment to acknowledge it and mourn it properly, then we're going to prolong the suffering. Uh, But anyway, I'm just, you know, who wants to dive headfirst into a funeral? Apparently me. Uh, so <laughs> I don't know why I choose to do this stuff to myself, but here we are. <laughs> well, you have such an interesting story. I mean, you had a previous life before you got into meditation world. Um, what was the transition and the impetus of, of the transformational change that you underwent? Hmm. There's sort of two versions of the story. The first is just, you know, I was living my dream on Broadway, but suffering from insomnia and sickness and stress and going gray at 26 And then I found meditation and it cured my insomnia, stopped going gray, didn't get sick for eight years. You know, it was just my whole life, my whole performance got better. And so I thought, why does everyone not do this? Went to India, started a three-year training process to teach and then came back and and started. um, I wasn't in India that whole time, but my training process was pretty intensive. And then I guess the other part of that is when I was in my teacher training, I was definitely mourning the loss of my identity and my career as an actress, because it's what I had done since I was little, since I was like seven or eight years old, not professionally, but, you know, I started training when I was seven. And so that was a, that was sad, you know, just letting go of, of that. Um, but interestingly, when I first started, I think for the first maybe three years that I was teaching, I was still acting and still teaching acting. And then it became very clear where nature wanted to use me. You know, my agents would be like, Hey, can we get more headshots and resumes? And, 
I would never bring them. Three months would go by. I would have taught hundreds of people to meditate, but still no headshots and resumes. So it was just like my brain had to catch up with my body. You know, I was definitely voting with my time and attention long before my intellect came to the party. <laughs> right, right. But I mean, I'm, I'm really fascinated about how um, your story in, in terms of how it quickly changed your insomnia and were, were you just kind of uh, trying it out for the first time when meditation was brought to your attention and did it immediately take effect in terms of its benefits or did it take some time? For me, it was pretty immediate and, and very powerful, but it's so, you've got to think this is 12 years ago. Okay. So it's yeah. before headspace, before calm, before, you know, Oprah Chopra challenges, before everyone had body data monitoring devices. Meditation was really not very mainstream 12 years ago. And also online courses weren't that mainstream. Apps were around, but not really the like wellness body data tracking type. They weren't very popular yet. And so really, if you wanted to learn meditation 12 years ago, it was like, you're either going to a monastery or you're studying Buddhism in a city or like occasionally a teacher would come through a town and teach an intensive. And that's what I did. I had a teacher who was in town from London and I took a four day intensive, but it was just a few hours a day for four days. But my first class, I was in a different state of consciousness that I had ever been in before. And I liked it. And then that night I slept through the night for the first time in 18 months Wow. And I have every night since and that was almost 12 years ago. And so, you know, that's not everyone's experience. I would say our number one benefit at Ziva is insomnia. And it's just so tangible and fast because most insomnia is stress related. So if you start to manage your stress during the day, then the insomnia gets much better at night. I'm also, I mean, I'm sure you're familiar with Ayurvedic medicine. I'm also Vata dominant. And so a, a typical Vata imbalance is nervousness and anxiety and insomnia and because the type of meditation that I teach is quite grounding, it's very much de-exciting the nervous system so it can turn up the volume on the kaffic energy, that earth and water energy. Typically people like me, well, Vata people are very fast to change and we're very responsive to things. And when it's such a clear Vata imbalance, the meditation really helps to shift it quickly. Mm. Um, and I've found that to be pretty, pretty true throughout. There are some people where it's just slow and steady. You know, it's like, I know this is good for me, but I'm really not seeing that many benefits. And I'm like, just stay the course, Stick with it. you know, yeah. it just, you know, some people are just more gradual. Yeah. And, and out of curiosity, where did the name Ziva come from? Oh, so that's when I was doing my teacher training and I was meditating about 18 hours a week and which just to, just, just 18 hours a week. So it's many <laughs> hours a day. Um, so I was full blown out of my mind. Like just every stress I've ever had in my whole life is coming up and out. Lots of sadness, lots of anger. And I was simultaneously like starting the company. You know, I was doing the training on like the ancient knowledge and the wisdom and purifying the physiology, but also knew that I'd be, you know, wanting to put this out into the world. And so I was just brainstorming ideas for a company. And I remember like absolute meditation was in there because I was working as a vodka sommelier at the time. <laughs> um, so um, anyway, my, my, my now husband, my then boyfriend, I was just saying, I'm trying to figure out a name, I'm trying to figure out a name. And he's like, why don't you just make up a word? And it was like Google, Yahoo, Akamai, like, you know, these are just made up words. And I was like, I'm not just making up a word. And then during a meditation, I just had this like light bulb moment. And I said, oh, I should use the Sanskrit word for bliss. 
And so I went and I looked it up, Sanskrit word for bliss. Well, it turns out there's 14 Sanskrit words for bliss, <laughs> which is so indicative, right? Like, you know, there's 12 different words for snow in Inuit sure. languages. So it's like where you put your attention, you know, there's different flavors of it. And so I saw Ziva and I just like out of all 14 of them, that one really resonated with me. And then I looked up what Ziva means. And it's also a Hebrew feminine name that means one who is um, radiant or kind. And I thought, well, bliss, radiance and kindness, come on. So there we are. Beautiful. I love that. And I like it more because it rhymes with my name, Diva. So there. Yeah. <laughs> See, I actually thought about like Diva. Like I was, I mean, now I'm thinking of so many names. We were toying with like gurudiva.com because the word like guru and the word diva are like so kind of gross that putting them together almost canceled them out or something. <laughs> oh, <I> just <laughs> You got to just throw spaghetti against the wall. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So interesting. So a lot of uh, folks are are aware of meditation, which is awesome. And it's just now getting people to commit to it. And there's a lot of resistance with dedicating some time a day and then understanding that the benefits, you know, take some time. Sometimes they might feel the first time. What do you tell people, you know, when they have so much resistance in terms of sitting down for 15, 20 minutes and actually going through the process of meditation? Yeah, good question. So, it's, it's a multifold problem because we all, we all think we're the busiest person in the land, right? And so to tell people to sacrifice their most valuable resource, which is their time, in order to sit still and do nothing, which will be perceived as a waste of time, you know, especially to someone who doesn't have a visceral reaction of the return on investment yet, um, it just seems like absurd, People are like, you don't know my day, you don't know my stress, you don't know my kids, you don't know my husband, you don't know my boss. Like, I can't meditate, I can't afford that time. And so really, I've sort of built my entire career on this one problem, which is reframing meditation as the productivity tool that it is and can be, meaning, meaning that it's going to give you more time. You're just going to have more time in your day. Your sleep is going to be more efficient. You're going to get sick less often. Your to-do list that used to take you five hours will start to take you three. The decision that used to take you three months to make takes you 30 seconds to make. The You losing your temper on your kids and then having to apologize, that just stops. You know, your creativity is stronger. And when you really start to do the math on how much time all those mistakes, all those indecisions, all those sick days, all of that you know, hemming and hawing, like what that's really costing us in time. And then if you start to add in the financial piece into the equation of what is stress costing you physically, right? And you know this better than anyone, like our stress is not just a mental disease. If our mind is sick, our body becomes sick. And so meditation is not just a mental tool. It's, it's also preventing you know, any number of inflammation diseases because according to Ayurvedic medicine, inflammation is, is acid or heat. And when we get stressed, the body gets very acidic. So when we're meditating, we're making the body more alkaline, we're cooling the body. And so that can help with IBS, it can help with arthritis, it can help with you know, degenerative mental diseases over the long term, it can help immune diseases, it can help autoimmune diseases. And really, you know, I, you know all of this, but I feel like a used car salesman sometimes when I start <laughs> listing off all the benefits and people start saying, well, like, how can meditation do all these different things? I said, the better question that we should be asking is how is stress messing so many things up? 
Mm, and, you know, yeah. especially right now in this pandemic, you know, everyone's on high alert. The news is changing every day. Industries are changing every day. Um, you know, we're in the middle of a social revolution as well. And so people, their identities are changing. What they knew to be history is changing. And all of these things can really inflame our mind and our bodies. And one of, one of the most beautiful benefits of meditation, I find, is the ability to adapt. Right? You adapt, you adapt, you adapt, you adapt without being rigidly attached to one thing. And we want an adaptive body. We want an adaptive mind. And it's hard to achieve that when you're chronically stressed, when you're chronically in fight or flight. And so we start to break it down, like the, the biology and the neurochemistry of it for folks. And, but you keep pointing everything back to how it's going to give them more time, how they're going to perform better at the things that they love then it starts to become a no-brainer. Um, I just find that not that many people are having that conversation. A lot of folks are leading with the spiritual benefits. They're leading with the altruistic benefits. And that's great. And that will happen too. But I'm just a big fan of meeting people where they are. And that's a very good point. I talk a lot about how we need to get out of uh, fight or flight. And being in a, in a heightened state, in a sympathetic state, is obviously just horrible for our bodies and it's it's where we're most of us are living at on a constant basis and it's the root cause or the leading cause for many chronic diseases that that we see in society including cancer and i truly believe that um one of the things that i happened to me was that i was born into this world in a state of fight or flight and i never got out of it i tell the story that about a year ago i started to do breathing exercises for the very first time and i had meditated on and off using transcendental meditation but this was different and where i actually learned to breathe from my diaphragm and not from my chest and i didn't realize that i was always a chest breather and i swear from that moment on i was a firm believer in the power of of breathing exercises which is a form of meditation and it's mm -hmm. it's just now i i can feel the benefits in almost immediately and so i tend to train people or teach people breathing exercises, you know, and even though it's a form of meditation, it's kind of like my flip. Let's just do something that I know will be impactful so quickly. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of people that are out there that thrive on, on stress, right? They think they, you know, we're talking about, we need to de-stress ourselves because that will allow us more time, more increased reasonable thinking, our cognition is improved. Um, but a lot of people, even including myself, I used to thrive on on, on the stress. And that's what used to give me the energy. But in fact, it was doing the opposite. It was depleting my energy. And I didn't know that until I got sick. Mm. Well, thank you for sharing that. And I have some questions. Do you mind sharing? Like, what, what do you mean when you were born into fight or flight? Did you have a, a near-death experience at birth? No. I So it, was, it just came to me recently that I feel that my mother was kind of in a state of trauma during the last trimester. Mm -hmm. She and my dad moved from India to the States and they didn't have mm -hmm. any family. And she, my dad was at work, so she didn't have anybody. And when I was born, she didn't speak the language. She didn't, you know, know anyone. And the last three months of her life, I mean, of, of, of the third trimester, she lost a lot of weight because she was under a lot of stress emotionally and physically didn't have anyone to help her. So obviously when I was in utero, I feel that I felt all that stress. So when I came out mm -hmm. into this world, I was in fight or flight and my parents had always commented and joked around that I was a very tough baby because I was always crying constantly and I couldn't be soothed. And I think it's because I was experiencing the trauma that my mom had went through um, the last three months of the pregnancy. Mm. And so I feel that that's where issues started for me. Um, and I never mm -hmm. really found out how to be soothed. And so 
those are some issues that I've been dealing with. But um, for me, it's a big deal just learning that that was an issue and that I was always in a state of fight or flight. And now I understand and I preach how important it is to get out of that state and do mindfulness techniques and strategies to get more into a parasympathetic or rest and digest state. So um, thank you for sharing that. And I fully agree. I'm, I'm on the board of and created some of the meditation content for a company called Expectful, which is all mm-hmm. it specializes in prenatal and like pregnancy meditation. Mm-hmm. And he's like, he wants to make meditation as common in pregnancy as prenatal vitamins, you know, that you just are like, oh, we, you know, we, this babies need to be absorbing the bliss chemistry and having, I have a two-year-old now, but having meditated through my pregnancy and the birth oh, and yeah. postpartum, you know, everybody walks through the fire in their own way. But I think anything that we can do to reduce maternal stress is infinitely beneficial for the baby. Um, and, you know, it's interesting that you've gone into a career of, of healing, you know, having gone through that as a baby. Um, and then what kind of breath work did you find? So for me, it was really not necessarily the breath work itself. It was just learning the technique of breathing from my diaphragm. And that was wow. the thing that was the most effective. And for me, um, box breathing was really effective for me. Um, ujjayi breathing was one uh, was a technique that I learned from a, a pranayama teacher. And that was very powerful for me. But really, it was just learning to breathe from the diaphragm and taking deep breaths. Um, and I, I think you teach the the the, the two inhale and the four exhale and then the, you know and mm-hmm. and I was doing that as well. So those are really cool things that I learned. And and I, I just tell people. Uh, you know, people say, I don't want to meditate. I'm like, well, let me just teach you how to do some breathing exercises. And you can use this when you're stressed out. Or even if you have one minute a day, doing that six, seven times a day, it, it's it's a start. And a lot of people can buy into yeah. that because they can spare a minute or two here and there in the elevator or in the car at a stoplight or something like that. They can do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's as easy as that. So, but in terms of, of, of the meditation itself, I mean, you're probably more up to speed on the science behind it than I am. Can you talk and chat a little bit about, about the science of how meditation works on our brains and our bodies? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's some exciting stuff coming out. Um, so I, what's most exciting to me as of late is that meditation can improve your IQ and actually increase your IQ by something up to 12 wow. points. And I was like, whoa, um, like that just seems like such a tangible marker. Um, the other cool thing is that it can thicken your corpus callosum, which is the, the bridge between the right and left hemispheres of the brain. And everyone's like, you know, why would I want a fat corpus callosum? And it's like, well, it's, it's quite literally the bridge between your creative mind and your critical mind, the past and the future and the present moment, the masculine and the feminine. And so we really want that bridge to be as thick as possible so that when you're in the middle of a high demand situation, you have access to creative problem solving ideas. Because you know, we're all brilliant rehearsing the speech in the shower before the presentation, <laughs> but it doesn't matter exactly. how brilliant the rehearsal is. You know, it matters how, how present you are in the moment when the heat is on. Um, there's also, this is older, but they said that meditators performed up to 44% higher on something called the tripartite performance variability test, which is just a fancy way of saying they could do three things well at the same time. They could perform a task quickly, accurately, and all while remaining calm, 44% better than non-meditators. Uh, and so, cause most of us can do it quickly and accurately, but we get stressed or we do it, we're, you know, calm and we do it accurately, but it takes a really long time. But to do it quickly, accurately, and all while remaining calm, meditators perform much, much higher. 
Um, some other things are, we know that now meditation can reverse your body age by somewhere between eight to 14 years. And I know those seem like big disparate numbers, but I think it's Wake Forest that's saying eight and Tufts is saying 15 that might be reversed. Um, so feel free to fact check me on that, but either way, like, even if it's eight, it's still, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like if you're 40, like who doesn't want the biological age of 32, when, you know, and, and I think that it's the longer you meditate, the more cumulative those benefits become. And I have a whole chapter in the book. So the book is called, you know, stress less, accomplish more. And there's a whole chapter called the legit fountain of youth. And I was so hesitant to name it that because I hate, I hate that our society chases youth when I think what we really should be chasing is health. I love that. Right. But that's why I was like, well, I just put the legit in parentheticals because it's like none of us, no, nobody wants like a 60 year old who's trying to pretend like they're 20. You know, it's just, it's not a good look. We want like the healthiest, most vibrant, amazing, strong 60 year old, you know? And so it's like, why do we, why are we all so terrified of aging? And I think it's because we're terrified of, of pain. We're terrified of, sickness we're terrified of death and it's like well what if death might be assumed you know at least for our generations but maybe not for the future generations um but what if the sickness what if the atrophy what if the pain what if those things aren't guaranteed exactly you know what if we just keep getting better and evolving and optimizing until our bodies are irrelevant and so i just i really like this it's one of the things that I'm most attracted to about the Vedas is that we just keep evolving our state of consciousness until we're in such a high state of consciousness that this body is not relevant, but that we want to take such good care of the body that when care we die, yeah. we want to take it off like we would an expensive suit, you know, that we would hang it up and take care um, versus like just crumpling it up and trashing it and like leaving it in the corner. And, and it just, there's like a karmic cyclical thing about that, which I really enjoy that you're respectful and kind and taking care of your body up until the moment that you're not in it. Um, so I just think so much of what we assume in the West about aging and sickness and pain and disease has been our habit, but it's not necessarily our nature. We assume that it's normal because we see everyone else suffering from the same things around us, but the way that we're eating, the way that we're living is not normal and is not natural. And so when we start to, you know, find that our feet is in the earth and we're having more sunlight and we're going to bed earlier and waking up with the sun and meditating and exercising and having more sex, it's like, oh, maybe if I act in accordance with nature, maybe my body knows how to heal itself. <laughs> like, yeah. It's not rocket science. Yeah. And yet we're all so addicted to our screens and our sugar and our alcohol and our processed food and our plastics and our drugs. And, you know, so I get it. Hey, Dr. Diva here. Thank you to all my listeners who supported my book and helped to make it a huge success. You all have helped us hit number one in Barnes & Noble, number one in oncology, cancer, healing, and medical ebooks, and number 21 in all of the Kindle store. You've also helped us hit number three on the Wall Street Journal bestseller list. If you haven't received your copy, you can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or booksatmillion.com. Visit from doctortopatient.com to become part of our growing community of health and wellness aficionados and to learn more. If you like our book and podcast, please go to amazon.com to write a five-star review and go to Apple Podcasts to also write a five-star review on this podcast or any of our episodes that you've enjoyed. 
we need reviews to attract and secure top-notch guests for this show. Thank you so much for your support. Obviously, you were mentioning earlier about the number of companies that are out there and apps that, that are great for people because they have so much to choose from. But first, what's the Ziva technique and what differentiates Ziva technique from all the other meditation apps and techniques that are out there? Yeah. Well, it is amazing that there is so much, but it's also a little confusing, especially when you don't have any guidance or a teacher or any training and you don't know if you should be doing monk meditation or regular person meditation. Should you be doing breath work? Should you focus, not focus? And so the apps, it's almost like the tyranny of choice because even if you choose one app, well, then you've got to go in and choose from 10,000 different teachers and 40,000 right. different styles. And you're like, what? And now you're kind of stressing about your meditation. Also, the, the whole idea of like going to your phone to unplug is a little bit of a mystery to me. It's like, why would you have an AA meeting inside of a liquor store? Like, I don't, I don't really get that. So I think it can be a good gateway drug. I think that they've done a lot of beautiful wall destroying, you know, people who thought they weren't meditators, people who thought it was too woo woo. I think it's taken so much of the stigma out the apps have, which I'm very grateful for it. Um, but what most apps are teaching is what I would call mindfulness. So I define mindfulness as the art of bringing your awareness into the present moment, which is amazing at dealing with your stress in the now. It's really good at creating a state change. Like my boss yelled at me today, let me do, you know, five minutes of this breathing exercise. I feel better in the now beautiful, necessary. The thing that makes Ziva so special is that we have a, a trifecta of mindfulness, which I just mentioned, meditation, which is different, which I'm going to talk about, and manifesting. So the three M's is really what makes up the Ziva technique. So we do start with mindfulness and you know, breath work, that state change, that immediate like, get people out of fight or flight so that we can even contemplate sitting through a meditation. <laughs> um, and then the meditation, as I would define it, is very good at getting rid of your stress from the past. Okay, it's creating a trait change, not just a state change. It's going in and healing you on a cellular level. So in the style of meditation that I teach at Ziva, we're giving the body rest. It's approximately five times deeper than sleep. We know that because metabolic rate decreases, heart rate slows, body temperature cools. And as you know, when we give the body rest, it knows how to heal itself. And what the cool thing here is that it's not only healing stress from today, it's healing that stress from your birth, from your divorce, from your firing, from your pandemic. Transgenerational, you know. yeah. Yeah, and even, even potentially the stuff that we've inherited from, you know, I've seen papers on as meant that we can inherit trauma for as many as two generations, certainly yeah. the utero, but... I've heard people quote as much as seven. What's your take on yeah. that? Do you know of how many generations we can inherit? I think uh, there was a paper that did a study on, on mice. Yeah. And I can't remember the, the entire details of the study, but um, the essence of the study was that they uh, had a, a mother mouse that was actually traumatized and then they bred it with another. And the trauma characteristics were actually seen in offspring, and I want to say it's four generations, but it could be seven. I can't remember the actual number, but it was something like that. I think in the mice, it's it's seven. They proved up to seven. seven yeah. In in humans, yeah. I've only been able to find two to three. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's harder to do with humans. You know, because like we weren't doing these studies three generations right. ago. Right. Um, right. 
So either way, like even if you're just healing your trauma from your moment of birth until now, like that's still really significant. And I like to think that you're stopping handing that down to your children and hopefully even healing things that you've inherited. Um, so, so there's that. So the mindfulness, really good at dealing with your stress in the now meditation, really good at dealing with your stress in the past. And the way that that is relevant and the way it ties into our first question about time, which is really everyone's big fear. I'm too busy to meditate. I don't have time to meditate. Um, what people are really saying is I can't afford to waste my time, which is true. I, I would even argue that we can't afford to spend our time. But once people understand that you're investing your time, and once you start to see that the return on that investment is exponential, that you do get much more back than what you're putting in, uh, then it's like, oh, I get it. And the reason why you get more time in your day is this healing phenomenon. It's eradicating the stress from your nervous system. That's what makes your brain better. That's what makes your mm -hmm. immune system better. It's not just the state change piece of it. And so then we end sort of like the dessert course of Ziva is the manifesting. And that, you know, I can get some eye rolls from the medical community or from my high achieving community, but it's really simple. It's just you consciously creating a life you love. It's you getting intentional about what you want your life to look like. And most of us even think that we're manifesting, but we're secretly complaining. We're like, why does she have a boyfriend and I don't? Why did he get a raise right. and I didn't? Why is this pandemic right. happening to me right now? And, and it's like, we've, think we're moving towards something better, but we're actually just resisting what is or complaining about what is. And so it's so simple, the manifesting, but we do it after the meditation where the right and left hemispheres of the brain are functioning in unison, where we've de-excited the nervous system. And we simply ask the question, what would I love right now? What would I love right now? And it's the simplest, but you notice it's not what do I want, not what do I need, because that puts you into lack, that puts you into fear, but what would I love, which puts you into spirit, into possibility, and what would I love right now? Present moment awareness, not what did my parents want me to do, not what did I major in in college, what, not what's going to look good on Instagram, but what would I love right now? And I recommend that people start small and that they start with gratitude, and then it can get bigger and bigger. But what I found is that this trifecta, this using the mindfulness as the appetizer, diving into this healing meditation as the main course, and then finishing with the manifesting about what you want your future to look like. Um, it's, it's just the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. And that's really where the special sauce comes in with Ziva. The other thing that's really unique about us is that we train people to be self-sufficient. So our flagship training is called Ziva Online, and it's a 15-day course. And it's a matriculation, and it's designed to be the last meditation course you ever need. I mean, of course, you could always advance if you wanted to, but it will give you a daily practice that you can take with mm -hmm. you for life. It's not an app where you have to keep coming back. You don't need Wi-Fi or headphones or incense or finger symbols or my voice or timers. It's just you have these tools, and you can take them to the grave. You can do them on a bus, on a plane, in your office, with your kids yelling in the next room. So it's, it's meant to be integrated into life. It's not a monastic practice, which so many of, of the mindfulness tools that are out there were act are actually derivations of monastic practices. So if you think about like Andy, the founder of Headspace, he was a monk. You know, Jay Shetty, who's one of the most famous like wisdom teachers was a monk. And that's all awesome. But I actually think that the power in Ziva comes from the fact that even though the foundation of the practice is 6,000 years old. It was made for people with busy minds and busy lives. So it's, mm -hmm. it's not a derivation of a monastic practice. 
it's very interesting because it, it's it, to me it what you're teaching and and your technique it's very holistic and very spiritual in nature and I, and I appreciate that because that's kind of the path that I've taken in my life is more spiritual approach and this really this technique very much like it, it resonates with me and um, of course I maybe I'm a little biased because you had your training in India <laughs> um, but I really do you, I really, do you go uh, back much I know you were born here but do you ever go to like where your parents were raised? I haven't I haven't been back in about 12 years or so Mm-hmm. So I'm due for a visit. And when I went back 12 years ago, it was a huge change with the uh, globalization that was taking place. And, and you've seen the changes in India. And I can only imagine what it is now. I've heard stories how, how, how modern it is and how westernized the entire country has become. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's great that they have some westernization that's going on. But sometimes they're even sacrificing some of these older Eastern techniques, you know, that it's where it came from. And a lot of people now are leaving that behind and they're really espousing the Westernization of, of, of culture. So it's a little disappointing seeing that, but it's nice mm-hmm. to know that, you know, meditation and yoga and these types of things, it really came from the East. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, so one of these days I want to go back and, 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 to, and do like a, uh, you know, like a Vipassana or something of that nature. Yeah, I actually did Vipassana in India, in Southern India. So I did my first training in Northern India in Rishikesh, but I did Vipassana in Southern India. But interestingly, so my teacher's teacher's teacher, so it was about in the 1920s, actually like very consciously was like, go to America, teach in America. Like India is now looking yes. to America for pop yes. culture. And yes. so many of the techniques had started to die and people weren't practicing them as much. And so they were like, go teach in America because <laughs> India is looking to America and they will look and then it will come back. <laughs> I thought that was a fascinating. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I, I mean, I have a decent amount of students from India that take the course because we see where in the globe, like when people sign up. So it's, yep. it's, it's interesting it's to interesting. watch that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I'm, I read somewhere that there are some um, Ziva students that have actually increased their income while just putting in a few hours of starting the Ziva technique. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. Oh yeah. Um, so we had a woman write and said, I got a $120,000 scholarship that I did not apply for. And I was like, well, that's new. <laughs> Normally you'd have to at least apply for the scholarship. Um, yeah. but, you know, I used to teach actors, um, like when, because I was an actress, when I first started teaching, a lot of my students were actors and, you know, that's such a mental game. It's such a confidence game. It's such a detachment game. And so these people were already very talented, you know, but sometimes they would get nervous and they would sabotage themselves at the audition. And so when they just had this one tool, their talent was able to shine through and they would start booking job after job. This one actor had gone from being unemployed. So he's now nominated for an Emmy for a guest star on Will and Grace. And that happened in like months. And so it's just wow. so fun to watch. Um, it's all about that manifesting. Yeah. So good. It's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Emily, I want to leave with our, our uh, listeners to What's the best way that they can find you online and if they want to learn about the Ziva technique? Mm-hmm. I mean, say the easiest is our brand spanking new website. We just launched a new baby a few Yay. weeks ago. Um, so it's zivameditation.com. So like your name, but with a Z, Z-I-V-A <laughs> meditation.com. And there you can find our online course. You can find the book. You can find... Um, there's actually a beautiful self-care center there, which is all free because I've been doing global meditations every week since the beginning of the pandemic. So mm-hmm. there's 
a lot of them there, plus interviews with guest experts. So anything you want, you can find at zivameditation.com. Oh, and one thing is that um, our online course that I mentioned, right now we're offering it free of charge, like full scholarship to oh, frontline awesome. workers. So doctors, nurses, EMTs, respiratory therapists. We've actually, we just crossed the $1 million mark. We've given away a million dollars in scholarships since the beginning of oh, the pandemic. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So I feel really proud of that. And it's also 50% off for everyone else right now. Cause I know that, you know, unemployment mm. is really high. Yeah. That is so wonderful. Mm. Well, Emily, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. And thanks for the work that you're doing in the world.